Hello and welcome to the Ozarin Podcast. This week, Dave and Bry talk about PlayStation VR, Final Fantasy, uh, the Tomb Raider's 20th anniversary, and Resident Evil 7. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, but please be aware that there is some swearing. On with the show. Hey, welcome to the Azarin Podcast. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm Brian. This is our fourth podcast. And there's only two of us this time because Liam's busy and um, our other guest Ash is otherwise occupied. So she's got a pal. She's got a pal. One friend. Nah, that's that's horrible. Well, at least one. one friend. So. At least one. So that's uh. So um, what what we're talking about this week, Brian? Oh, for not much has happened. There's nothing major in the news, really. No, not really. Um, that's like part of the reason why we did the last week is well, everybody felt like death because it was tagged to. Yes. Um, on Saturday, um, and everybody was not in any fit state to do anything on Sunday. Plus, not much happened. Some some other stuff happened this week, so it's all right. We do have some stuff to talk about. So few things. We'll be fine. Probably one of the the bigger things is uh, virtual reality has made it into the wild. It's finally here, despite the fact that Oculus and the Vive have been ruined. Sony invented it finally. Sony finally invented the VR headset. Much like Apple invented the smartphone. Exactly, they invented the smartphone. Um, Halo invented invented dual wielding. Of course, we we'll all know that. Um, but this this is the first VR that's available on the high street. Or the first uh, console VR. First console VR that's available on High Street, and the first one that's really been properly publicised. Like obviously, the Oculus did get a lot of backing because they Palmer Lucky. He knows what he's doing with advertising and all that kind of thing. Um, Maybe less Lucky? so with political campaigns. Well, um, <laughs> let's let's not go there though. That's that's another kettle of fish, but we're not talking about fish full of kettle or kettle fills of fish. But anyway, how did the fish get in the kettle in the first place? I put it there. Anyway, um, so VR, PSVR, it's um. £349.99 RRP. Um, Bargain. That's a lot of money. That's the same price as a PS4 Pro is when that bill hit the streets. So you're talking, if you're wanting their um, optimum setup, and I mean the optimum setup is obviously they're going to be advertising the PS4 heavily with VR when it comes out. Because one of the big things about the PSVR that I know about, and I've not looked much at it because I don't have that much interest because there is no killer app that's not Resident Evil 7, but we'll get to that. Um, the games that are compatible with it, that are like you can play normally lose quite a bit of visual fidelity I've heard that um, one of the bigger um, one of the bigger sort of titles that demonstrates that is Resident Evil 7 um, the beginning hour demo looks really great um, on like a decent um, HD screen and all that kind of thing but the kitchen demo which we'll talk about later again does look noticeably like less like the the light is not as good, the animations aren't quite as convincing, and all that kind of thing. Right. So they've had to make concessions for the hardware then. Yeah. Um. So it's like I mean, the PS4 is only so powerful. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's already out of date, and it was cutting edge when it came out, like comparatively. So um, I mean, that's why the PS4 Pro's coming out. That's part of the reason it exists. But um, I mean, have you read up watching it on the PS4, like the, the PSVR? Sorry. So I know that um, you need to have the uh, move controllers. Yes. controllers and uh, Sony Eye as well or Sony Camera yeah for the tracking yeah that's right um, so that again that'll add to the price um, mm-hmm. you've got your console on top of that mm-hmm. which is £200 um, if you're lucky for the... so I mean you're, you're probably talking like for a for a new one 230 I think it is at the moment cool. so. so I mean you're maybe looking at a complete setup of about 
900 pounds. Uh, if you go for the pro model, anyway. If you go for the pro, that's three fifty. The PSVR shelves three fifty. That's seven hundred. Then you're talking the move controller, which is like oh god. Um, if you want one, they're like between twenty and forty. Probably find them pre-owned cheaper. Um, the I is like the PSI. Sorry, the camera. Um, is twenty five. So yeah, you're probably you're pushing eight hundred. But I mean, if you're wanting games again, nine hundred. So you know that far. Yeah, off, it, it, it adds up. But I mean, I, I think. So the the benefits for some people is that they'll already have the console at least and some of the other yeah. elements. If if they're into the the VR, it's maybe less of an expense. Yeah. Whereas if you wanted to get um, PC level VR, you're, you're talking, talking about, about at least another grand right yeah. there. Well, because so. you need you need to spend about like eight hundred pounds on a a PC that's compatible with yeah uh, the Oculus or the Vive at this point. And as far as I'm aware, the the Vive is at the moment the better setup. Um, they are, they are releasing more stuff for the Oculus that's going to make it like on the same level as the Vive, like in um, room sensors and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, because that's what the Vive has that like that pits it above the Oculus, to what I know. I've not done that much research, but um, well, that's as far as my knowledge goes with it. Um, but again, that's like whichever way you slice it, it's like two grand. So PlayStation's a kind of middle ground between your um, your phone VR. Mm. It's uh, Samsung Gear, is it? Samsung Gear, yes. The and one then... that doesn't explode. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, we'll see. And then your uh, your your PC level stuff, and yes. it's you know you can go out and buy it on the high street. So, uh, you mentioned the Resident Evil kitchen demo. Yes, should we talk a bit more about that? And so the kitchen demo was originally shown at E three twenty fifteen, um, which is I think the PSVR was still called Morpheus at that point, um, and a lot of developers have had some time with. Um, and they were starting to show f- what they could do, and Capcom showed something they just called Kitchen. That was all they called it. Nobody knew what it was, um, but the feedback at the time, I didn't hear much about it at the time. It was very much on the download because no lot of people were reported on it because they thought it was just like a tech demo that they made just for this thing. Um, but the feedback for it was like, it's the scariest thing that they'd ever seen done with that kind of tech. Yeah. And you I mean, we watched the demo and it's I mean, watching it on a screen isn't as bad, but you can imagine wearing a headset and having that audio, like, in a set of he- headphones. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, VR in itself loans itself really well to jump scares. Yeah. Because you're completely immersed. You've got 360 audio, like yeah. you mentioned to me before. Um, so you're kind of, it's almost claustrophobic maybe you're kind of trapped in this especially in the especially with kitchen where you are you're tied to a chair you, yeah. you, the only movement you have is you move your hands forward at the start of the demo to knock over a camera that's filming you um, and you have head movements and that's it you can't escape anywhere so you're basically just sitting watching things happen around you there's no interaction as such it's just to demonstrate like what can be done um, when you take into account like how your how your surroundings and how things Happen in the space around you are changed when you're in when you have VR taken out of this equation. Scary stuff. Mm. Although I did hear uh, one of my friends picked up a PSVR mm-hmm. and his mum was crying when she tried it because she was playing a a 360 video and mm. she looked down uh, and just started uh, freaking out. I think okay. it's a, a, a big uh, distance or something. Uh. So it's it it kind of in a way. Reminds me a little of like the the first uh, cinema 
uh, when there was that train coming towards the screen <laughs> and everyone freaked out and left the, the theatre because <laughs> they thought it was actually, uh, it was real life. It's a, it's a bit of a strange one. There's obviously, there's going to be teething problems. Um, whether or no they release like an improved version of the VR or like they release, they release some kind of room sensors, but I don't know. That's not been mentioned. It's far too early days. Um, and like I say, there's there's nothing that's a killer app for it now. Mm. That I mean, RE7 might be the, the feedback I've heard on people that have actually played the proper RE7 demo, not Kitchen, the one where you have movement, uh-huh. um, the one that's on the PSN stuff right now, um, is not great in VR. Right. It's, I mean, the, the description I've heard is fucking terrible in VR. Um, not great at all. Um, but they may have fixed it since then. So From discussing it with um, like VR with some people who are at the Edinburgh Digital Festival, mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be that things that aren't tailored specifically for VR don't mm. tend to fare very well. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that you can port immediately, uh, or mm. or just simply port over without making substantial changes to yeah. it. Yeah, one thing I would have been interested to see is like considering what PT was first person and all that kind of thing. I would have loved to seen PT take advantage of VR. Yeah, because that like that game was already creepy. It was. Well, in the game, I say game. Um, it was extremely unsettling. Like, we went through this a million times before, but like, taking, putting VR into that equation, and I'm pretty sure that at the time Kojima Productions would have done a stand-up job on getting that port done, that would have been something to see. Yeah. But unfortunately, never will. So, no, but maybe Kojima probably I know that he's, up their sleeves. He was looking at VR tech um, in late, late 2015, when Mark Cherney was taken around the world with his magical tour. Um, whether Death Stranding will be compatible or not, I don't know. We'll see, I suppose. Soon enough. Soon. TM. Um, so what else? Uh, we looked at the Resident Evil 7 teasers. Yeah. Um, the 30-second uh, trailer vids. Mm, um, for what I know, like um, I believe it's um, Video Gamer, or, work, or two guys from Video Gamer are working... With Capcom and the marketing for RE7. Okay. For what I've been taught. I don't know if this is something to do with them or not. It might be. Um, but it was released through the Biohazard Ambassador program, which is, again, they do, like, it does work in the US and Europe as well, but it's like a sort of Japanese centric thing where like, they'll release bits about the game like through emails and they'll send you an email like, look, here's a picture of Herb. Right. Or like, um, look, it's a render of a box or something like that. Or like, oh, you can pre-order the the collector edition from Capcom e Japan or something like that. Yes, yeah, so or e Capcom. Slow build, slowly building in the hype. Yes, yeah, it's release. like we think because it's very, very clear they do not want to give away the big twist in this game. There is something going on, but they're not letting them what it is, which is good. They shouldn't let it away, um, because they want to try and keep people in the dark after RE six and all that kind of thing, which is fine. Um, but these two videos they released through the Biohazard Ambassador program. Were, um, the first one is a series of clips of phones. And the phone is in the um, um, beginning hour demo. And you pick it up and it's will give you one of three audio... Or one of five now? Um, they updated it with the, with the last um, patch. I think it might be five. There are five audio clips that play and it's a woman that talks to you and gives you a, clip, a cryptic clue like you shouldn't have come here and blah, blah, blah. And then you get welcome to the family, son. Um... But in this, it seems to be implying the phones do a bit more. And I've seen people talking about them as if they might be the new typewriter. Right. They might be a save point. Um, so like the woman will say something to you, and that allows you to save the game. So like you're basically phoning up... Um, what was her name in um, 
MGS mailing. Mailing. So like she'll say some kind of um, Japanese, like sorry, Chinese proverb with the phone, and David Taylor goes, "That doesn't make any fucking sense." Shit. <laughs> um, but that won't happen. Something about tread carefully through pumpkin patches, snake. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the second video is far more exciting because one it has a shotgun, and shotguns are cool. Um, but you take uh, well the character that you play. I don't think we know his name yet. Um, takes the shotgun from a box, and the box is very evidently the item box from Resident Evil One, Two, and blah blah blah. Sure. Which people, I think people are a bit concerned about because, like, the way that Seven's been presented so far is like it's very linear, um, and I think people were expecting that to be like a sort of a series of set pieces that you went through, and you kind of had to like you could control between the set pieces, but there wasn't any exploration or like management of items and ammo and all that kind of thing. But this seems to imply that that's not the case. So you think they're bringing resource management back into it? That seems to be the implication. There's been a couple of interviews with the director and he's like, we're very aware of what people think of this game, but it's not what you think it is. Okay. Um, when they asked him for his opinion, I'm like, what have you, what is RE7 taking, like, um, inspiration-wise for the Resident Evil series? Like, what does it borrow most heavily from? He said specifically the PlayStation version of Resident Evil 1. Okay. Um, not really interesting specified the original. Yeah, and not remake. Um he said that the original was like it was something that hadn't been done before. Um and it completely revolutionized the way that people look at horror games. Yeah. Um and obviously it kinda changed the genre for there on it. Um whether that's gonna be the case with seven I don't know. I would anticipate probably not, but I think it'll be a very good game. Um but you can see like the the things they've taken for RE one to get people back into that frame of mind. They're like it's set in a mansion. Yes, you're completely isolated from the outside world. Like they've got a mansion. There's bits like they've shown off like parts of like um, the surrounding area, like the a garden, um, some like a sewage system and stuff like that. So it's it's very much like you're in this area and you kind of get out. Um, and the item box is a big one because it's clearly like the item box is own space. But in the demo, you only have like I think it's like six slots for an for items, right. and the shotgun appears to take two. So like you're really limited in what you can carry. Yeah, that will be interesting, because uh, the, obviously the the shotgun took up more than one space in I don't know about Resident Evil Two, but it did in Four definitely. I can't remember it too. I think it did. Like it took two. That would make port, sense. Like yeah, horizontal. That, yeah, I think the crossbow did as well. Yeah, I'll look like the the crossbow, the submachine gun, and the shotgun did. Cool. So speaking of the remake, actually, mm-hmm. uh, I was playing it. I wasn't playing it. I was watching Ashley play it last night because I'm, I'm still 20 years later. Because you're I'm, a big scaredy cat. I'm a big scaredy. I, I, I'm afraid of playing that game. It's, it's like, especially the remake is scary in its own way because it's got a really good sense of tension in it. Yeah. But there's something about RE1 that's got, and, and 2 as well, and 3, they've got this really weird sort of stark sense of horror. I think having been uh, left in a dark room and told to play that game <laughs> when I was nine years old has kind of like done a number on me. Yeah, it's um, there's no jump scares in that game. It's just like here's this horrible thing. You constant, have to it's constant unease. Yeah, uh, like the, the entire way through the flight, no matter what's happening. Yeah, uh, you never feel the only places you feel safe in that game are in the safe rooms, which is on purpose. You're meant to feel safe in the rooms. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's. I think you examine one of the objects and it's like you, you feel uh, a sense of ease here or you look at a painting and it's you, you feel at ease looking it's at like it. It, it, lets, it lets the tension kind of 
like deflate a bit. Yeah. So like, but then as soon as you leave, it's like right, I need to be on, I need to be on point here. Um. So, but our remake it has a different sense of tension, but it's still there. It's yeah. a great remake. Actually, it's one of the best video game remakes that I think that have ever happened. So it's fantastic. I realised playing it as well. It's actually just a, a puzzle game. Yeah. It, it's like it's like the playing the room, except yeah. there are zombies in it. Yeah. And that's I think that's what I really love about it. Going back to it, it's like this this uh it, it's a puzzle and it's com- it compels you to like make your way through this mm. house despite the danger. Even even the combats that especially in um, remake as well because you have to take into account crimson heads because zombies reanimate. Right. Um, like it's it's something they brought in like the lore that's a bit stupid um, but basically like if you don't remove the head or destroy the brain of a zombie um, they reanimate right. um, like something called V-Act um, and they get faster more vicious and they do more damage oh wow um, and the, the lore goes something like a crimson head will eventually evolve over time into a liquor right that's how liquors happen um, oh. so that's, uh, that's a nice little uh Throwback there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, like the way they tied it in. Um, Sli- but, slightly retconning it though. Yeah, it is a bit. It's a bit silly, but like even then, like it's it's adding a bit more, like like you say, like the puzzle element to things. Like you've got to take it into account. It's like how am I going to kill this zombie? How am I going to take out this guy so that he doesn't come back on me? But then it's not even just like on a case by case basis because you can burn their corpses um, using gasoline and a lighter. Right. But you only get so much gasoline. Okay. You don't get enough gasoline to kill a, to burn every zombie, so you have to plan it as you as you're going. You can't kind of start just like oh, I'll just burn all these as as I keep going. Yeah, because it's not going to work. And of course, there's the potential to run past a lot of the zombies as well. That's right. Yeah, because they are shambling the animated corpses. They're not yeah. particularly fast, but sometimes because of the nature of the environment, you're forced uh, into narrow corridors and you can't mm. jump past them. But it's it's a really well designed game. <laughs> I think it knows what it's doing. It certainly took uh, the environment into consideration. Yeah. It's a very claustrophobic game. It is. All the rest, the camera angles don't help. No, like, for the the ones presumably presumably they added those in the director's cut. Uh, Was it a fixed camera before that? Or? I don't know. Um, I don't know because the, the the when I first played it when I was younger, it was Resident Evil director's cut. Mm. So I didn't know if that was like uh, extra scenes or if that was maybe the camera positioning or the controls maybe. Mm. But um, Resident Evil, the original and the the remake, both have very interesting camera positioning. Yeah. Um, you can be running uh, down a corridor and the camera, rather than being uh, following your character, it's in a fixed position usually. It's to it's to <clears throat> to um. To kind of make you feel like you don't really know what's coming in the corner. Yeah. It's completely intentional. It makes me feel like I'm being watched as well. Because rather yeah. than having this camera that is, that is part of me, that's trained on yeah. me, it's it's almost voyeuristic. It can be yeah. looking at you through windows or like from from the the corner of a room. It's, yeah. it's quite creepy. It is. It's a, especially like some rooms are just like don't have any music. They're just completely silent. And the way that they're lit and the way that the camera angles work, it, it's just, it feels weird. It's a weird feeling, but it's great. It's such oh god, the games are great. I love them. Um, more more nostalgic uh, news this week. Mm-hmm. The twenty twentieth anniversary of Tomb Raider of Tomb Raider and Lara Croft, yeah. the first lady of video games. So wh- whether that's I don't know if that's necessarily just this week, but the we've had uh, some pretty cool screenshots um, of the 
I don't know if they were just messing around. Maybe they they put uh, Tomb Raider: Rise of the Tomb Raider visuals, um, which is coming out on the PS4 um, soon. Or it's out now. Oh, well, it's out. It's now. Uh, they put the uh, the artwork from the box into a PlayStation One. Uh, That's, that is the actual press kit they sent out to press. Ah, oh, I mean, um, it was really sweet scene. Yeah, it was um, because it it's not even just like they've they've made it like um, so they've just fucking giving you something with the press kit like that's the actual press kit itself they've made up a, a completely new PS1 box downsized the, the manual downsized the, like the inset for the cover it's still a PS4 disc it's not got a black back or anything like that which is a bit of a shame but I mean there's only so much you can do um, but yeah. it's that is like the actual game is in a PS1 case it's great It's I love stuff like that um, because you like you often find that a lot of press kits will just give you like useless bump like flyers and keychains or you know a, a white label disc or a something. white label oh, yeah stuff like that but like when they put some even like a wee bit it's no like huge or grand or anything but it's just a wee bit of thought and especially when it's the 20th anniversary and people go oh that's nice yeah I mean there's going to be a lot of people reviewing this who will have fond memories of playing the original when they were yeah oh, absolutely of course yeah um, I mean Tomb Raider 2 like probably like I think everybody's played Tomb Raider 2 Tomb Raider, like, have you not played Tomb Raider 2? I've not played Tomb Raider. It's one of the few Tomb Raider games that I haven't played. Have you um, played one? I have played one. Oh, yeah, I completed one, actually. It was one of the, the first games I completed when I was a kid. I remember that watching was, it. was solid, games. absolutely. They're tough really hard games. Um, it's, like, <clears throat> no, would you say tank controls? I wouldn't say tank controls. I would say precise controls. Very precise. Yeah. Like, almost mathematic. Like, yeah. uh, holding R1 to walk up to the end of a ledge, then taking a couple of jumps back and then mm. running for it and then pushing square mm. and having set the jump up so that she does jump right at the edge to like then have to grab another ledge that yeah. is just within reach it's it's uh, unforgiving I think yeah but it made you, it, it gave you a sense of accomplishment when, when you did grab a ledge yes you were having to put it like you were having to make this almost Tekken like combo yeah. just to grab a ledge and you'd eventually and then there'd be something like a tiger that would just immediately <laughs> mull you so you had to start from the start of the level it's, it's not like um, nowadays when if you're playing uh, Assassin's Creed or something, you just hold down a single button. Usually R2 or something like that. Yeah, yeah and so. they'll, they'll vault and climb and jump mm. and run, and it's it looks good. Yeah. But you don't feel as if... There's no input to it. Yeah, you, you don't have very... You're, you're observing the character do that rather than, like, I'm making this character do this. You're like, oh, I'm just holding the button and they're doing all this for me. Like, and that's... It's fine to a certain extent, but... Yes, it's it detachment. Takes, it detachment takes a lot of the, the requirement for skill out of it. Yes, um, absolutely. Lets you focus on other things, I guess. Yes. I, you, could have, you could blame that a bit on, well, both Assassin's Creed and Uncharted. <laughs> so. uh, nostalgia aside, um, this, this version, obviously, Rise of the Tomb Raider was out in the Xbox December last year, I think. Yeah. Um, this winter last year and PC shortly after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played through it on, on PC really enjoyed it really uh, fantastic game um, and it just I think it, compared to the, the previous game it feels like Lara has kind of come into her own she's much more confident um, much more in control we had, I had a discussion with a couple of people about the um, first new Tomb Raider game Tomb Raider 2013 I think most people call it mm. and I enjoyed it like I've not I never finished it like I got like three quarters of the way through and then I got distracted um, but like I enjoyed the gameplay like the gunplay felt really good cool and then there was like the hidden tombs and stuff like that that yes. was a nice callback they were really fun but I think it was it was Liam and our regular listener Steve um, <laughs> we had a discussion well we didn't have a discussion directly with Steve 
But um, I think one of his grievances with the game was like it was very gratuitous. Yes. Like um, and how it presented Lara in in situations where she was against the odds. She I was think you could put it that presented way. as a victim a lot of the time. Yeah, um, and that's not like I mean, obviously they're trying to update Lara to like, modern standard. I mean, that as far as I'm aware, that's the case with Rise of the Tomb Raider. She's like a more modern version of Lara, but that didn't. She didn't feel like Lara in the first game at all. She felt like a an upset uni student who was um, who went on like a, a rather unfortunate gap year. Yeah. So it was it was this was uh the birth of Lara Croft as the Tomb Raider and how yeah. she gained some of her survival skills and you know became a fighter and but a, a lot of people um refer to it as uh, torture porn uh, in the way can, that she was treated by the environment and her assailants like there is a, there is a point where she she like almost gets raped at one point and like I, like it's the when she's in the burning village and yeah. that guy's are pinned up against the wall and I was sitting playing it and like I've got a pretty high tolerance for stuff but I was like ah this this doesn't feel right no. this feels really weird <laughs> There, there, there were a few criticisms over how she handled situations as well. Like one moment she was, uh, she was really upset over the the first person that she killed, and then the next minute she's like, she's just gunning people, killing yeah. everyone. Yeah, but I, I mean, I still, if if you kind of, if you are able to suspend your disbelief, I, I think it was still quite a good game. It is a good game. It's just that like I feel that they could have handled Lara better. Like if she'd had like Lara was sassy in the original game. Like she, she wasn't afraid to like have a take a pot shot or something. True. Like, in terms of, and that came through in like, even the way that like you would interact with objects. Yeah. If Lara could have gone, no. No. It was that, like, it was the kind of shortness. Yeah. And I thought if they'd had that in the original game, like, if she had a bit of snark there, um, it would have been fine, but that just didn't come across to me. But she she don't, certainly does find her confidence in uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's good then. That's good. Uh, and I think, I think you, you would... L- Enjoy it, I think. I, I will. I will need to. I will need to set about playing it. Um, I, I kind of feel that if you get towards the end in the first one, you'd quite enjoy it as well. There's a lot of tie-ins to like feudal Japan and like a lot of yeah cool samurai stuff in there later on as well. Mm. Without getting into too much detail, I don't want to spoil yeah. it for you or for anyone else listening, really. Um, mm. But it's. I think it's worth playing through to the end. I'll have a. I'll. I'll need to load up my save again or just restart it. Probably would be easier actually. You shall see. But yeah, it's um, it's it's good to see. Lara getting celebrated again. It's yeah. nice to see it. It's good. It is nice, yeah. And it's good to see her back home on, on PlayStation, where she belongs. Well, you could argue PC as well. And PC. And PC. Um, and what else? So how how long do you have to wait till Final Fantasy Fifteen comes out now? That is now, well, today is the October the 15th. So that would be a month and a half, 15 is out. In. Um, it would have been out uh, two weeks ago, but obviously it's been delayed. Um, it's it's looking good so far. Um, they have made a a few adjustments to it. Um, what they've they've apparently had got some. There was a, they had a whole talk at CEDEC, CDEC, um, which is like I think it's a Japanese like um, tech show. Um, they had a full hour and a half talk, which somebody posted a transcript to it, and then somebody translated that, and it's about how this one programmer joined the team and basically got them to. Optimize the entire game. Oh wow! Um, so they they finally managed to get it running at thirty frames per second constantly in almost every scene in the game. Um, they've um, made the draw distance on grass and stuff like that better as well. Um, there's loads of technical stuff that I had no idea about, but uh, that was the main takeaways from it. Is like they've they've really managed to make a bit of a breakthrough in how they've how this game's gonna run, 
which is good because that was a big concern about like especially the footage they showed at E3 and um, Gamescom yeah. was that the game they would... set expectations yeah um, and the it looked like the game was unfinished right so it was good that it's been delayed because it's now starting to come together for the newest footage which is promising and there's characters in it so Yay. that's good it wouldn't be a Final Fantasy without a Cactar or a Tonbury. A Cactar, a Tonbury, a Marlboro. Chocobo. Chocobo. Uh, Moogles are in the game, but they're toys in the game. Oh no. They're not, they're, Moogles don't actually exist. So. Oh, that's disappointing. One game that does have Moogles in it is Final Fantasy XIV. certainly does. They're the Postmen. They are the Postmen. The Postmaster Moogles. Mm. Uh, and there has been news this week about a new expansion for yes. Final Fantasy XV. Storm, uh, Stormblood. Stormblood. So that's, that's kind of along the same lines of Heaven's Word. Just pick two words and put them together. Heaven's Word, Stormblood, and Cock Arse. <laughs> and uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what that expansion would particularly entail. Um, I would. Them. It's a Japanese only release. Yeah, the only release for the Dojinshi circles. They only it in like the the basements or the the video stores in Akihabara. My you walk there and it's just plastered with fucking like posters of JVs. Buying there. Um, not that I went anywhere there. So stand. Of course not. No, you're an upstanding I citizen. Didn't either. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy fourteen Heaven's Word. Uh, <clears throat> your main character, your warrior of light, is portrayed as a dragoon. Yes. And in Stormblood, your warrior of light is portrayed as a monk. The, the class where you beat people up with your fists you and do. defeat. And uh, you, you're an MMA fighter. You're very zen. Yeah. Take on different animal forms. Uh, it was actually a, a soloing uh, favourite in Final Fantasy XI mm. because uh, you could, I think you could pretty much uh, solo a lot more places as a monk than you could anything else and it was easy, easier to level a monk than it was to like level a mage for example I think um, the fact that monks are now in 15 14 sorry um, may have caught the interest of Glasgow's most dangerous couple Johnny and Carly yes who, who love their monks and beating people up so shout out to Carly uh, who actually has a monk tattoo on her wrist she certainly does she's dedicated uh, so if you guys uh, are planning on joining anytime. Uh, I'm thinking about jumping back in myself mm. uh, for this, uh, well, to, to catch up with Heaven's Word beforehand, because mm. I'm certainly out of date. Um, so we're going to talk, we're going to speculate a little about um, some of the main story quest stuff. Uh, so if you want to avoid spoilers or you want to go into this uh, completely fresh, maybe turn off now mm. and uh, tune in next time we have a podcast. Uh, but if you, yeah, if you're sticking around, um, we watched the the Wii FMV. Yeah, it's set in Alamigo, which you access via the Black Shroud. Which, what area is that in the game, the Black Shroud? I can't remember again. Oh, that's good. I, uh, I've not played the game in so long. I know it's like, is it one of the forest areas? I can't remember. The Black Shroud. Is that not from Gridania? It could be, yeah. It sounds like the it's it's part of the Gridania area. It could, I, I, I really can't, I remember the name. The, the Shroud is... is Gridania, I think, because it's, it's yeah. like you've got the West Shroud, the East Shroud, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the forest, like, too many... I love that area. That's great. ...fairies. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's quite starkly different for the rest of the game. Or, um, it's very, well, we've only seen a bit of it, but it's a giant cliff face that looks a lot like the cliff face in Mutai in Final Fantasy VII. That's the one that Naruto's from. Yes, that's the one that Naruto's from. 
and I still hate you. Um, no, but it, it is. Fans of the franchise might recognise it as being the hometown of Yuffie. Yes, absolutely. It's um, it's really, like obviously the actual sculpture on the ins- on the side of the cliff face is different, but it evokes a lot of similarities. Like um, there's a fight in the trailer between an unnamed and unknown NPC, Lady in Red, is dancing with me. Well, and by me we mean the Warrior of Light, um, who's dressed in sort of like. It looks like a she's dressed in belly dancer stuff. It does, yeah, yeah, like red belly dancer stuff. The, the art by Amano is actually really lovely for that, for that particular like key art is really nice. Uh, but anyway, like um, they're fighting on outstretched hand, and if you've ever done the Butai side quest in Seven, you'll of course recognise that because one of the areas you need to go in to finally find Yuffie after she'd been kidnapped by Don Corneo, um, you go to the hand, you look up. And on the face of the god sculpted into the side of the cliff is um, Elena and Yuffie upside down in crucifixes. Yeah. Um, well, Don Cornelio decides which ones is going to molest. It's uh, it's terribly sinister. And if uh, if you can't picture the the environment, the location, if if you're familiar with Mount Rushmore, it's that kind of thing where you know big faces carved into rock. Yeah. Um, only much more eastern in in its vibe. But yeah, it's um, it's a it's a cool wee callback. Uh, but that's like we've discussed before. Like fourteen is comprised so much of like callbacks and um, wee things taken from other Final Fantasy games. It feels like a unique thing in its own. But it has so many of these things that FF fans will recognise. Like um, Meet Your Fall itself from seven, Magitek is from six. The Garlean Army is partly twelve inspired and all that kind of thing. And Niflheim. From fifteen, actually, takes appears to take some stuff from the Garlean Army from fourteen itself. Right. So, all works circular. You see, it is. It must save uh, development time as well. Oh yeah, sh- assets. I am sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's uh, certainly alluring uh, to to this uh, one time player, mm. and uh, it's a really nice trailer. It's very good looking, but then. That's to the credit of Visual Works, who everything they touch is just fantastic. It is, yes. Um, it doesn't give too much away about the story either. No, absolutely not. Um, like, they've only given like hints about what the expansion will comprise. Like Obviously, you've got monks, uh, new area, new job classes. Um, the new, very, new level cap. New level cap is 70 rather than 60. Um, the uh, story is very much kind of in the dark. You're taken back Alamigo from a sinister um, Garlean ruler. Yes. And that's all we know. So, I mean, um, it's having not played through Heavensward either, mm-hmm. it will probably tie on quite neatly from that. And I would imagine there'll be minor uh, main story quest updates to tie into this before yeah. next summer when it's released as well. Yeah, I think they've said that um, in patch 3.5, they will be adding some visual stuff to the area, like Black Shroud. So like they're going to put a wall in. They're going to build a wall. They're going to build a wall um, to keep those damn Alamegans out. Um, but like you won't be able to scale the wall. It's just there to say like, look, the expansions come and go and buy it. Yeah. So that that it will give you an idea of what's going to happen. So please so. please look forward to a potentially overpriced um, expansion. Oh yeah, it'll be like special edition box set. Oh no, I mean, I was talking about like uh, the Heavensward uh, special edition. Oh yeah, that thing was expensive. Was it like 120? Yeah, I think it was. And uh, I, I can't I remember. Fell for that one. I can't so remember hard. if popular listener Steve bought that or not. I think he avoided it. Oh, that's. I think he had some more sense than I did. 
Because I, I got it because, oh, Dragoon, you know, I, yeah. I'm a Dragoon, I love Dragoons. And then I was like, oh, it's going to come with a really cool statue. And um, I was slightly disappointed, I think. Because the statue not that good. The statue is terrible. Oh, dear. And it doesn't even sit on its base properly. So oh. if, if I go in this time, it'll be completely bare bones. Never, never buy a, a special edition of a game with a statue in it. They're never good. Well, sometimes they're good, but like the, the, the ratio is like terrible. Yeah. It's never worth you, the you, risk. You're never going to get what you pay for, sadly. Um, the, the art book was quite nice, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up, I, I bought the full-sized art book. You can see them on my shelf straight mm-hmm. ahead there. So the... Uh, the Heaven's full, Word. Full-size one is uh, a tome. It's huge. It's a, it's a big boy. It's uh, a very big boy. And then two to the right there is the, the wee special edition one. I got um, Steve the special edition soundtrack of um, Heaven's Word from Arnia, actually. It's a, it comes in a nice wee box. Um, I never, I've never seen nice it. nice of you. Yeah, he really asked me to. So. <laughs> he actually he asked me to look for it when I was in Japan as well, but I don't think it was out of the time. Or I didn't, I didn't yeah, see it. It was. I think it was quite new um, right. because it was one of it was one of the one like the, the way they had everything set out in Arnia is like they have the old stuff to the left, and then as you go to the right, newer stuffs there, and it was quite close to the right hand side. So, uh, probably relatively new. So. Ah. Yeah, it's, it does have a very nice soundtrack. Um, Answers by Susan Calloway. That's the main theme of Heaven's Word, isn't it? I think that's the main theme of uh, Realm Reborn. Is it? Oh, right. I, uh, I think Heaven's Word's got its own uh, main theme. Oh, yeah, it was composed by Uematsu, wasn't it? Pass. I think it was. Um, but I know that Calloway um, performed Answers at the Final Fantasy XIV FanFest. Which is where they unveiled this trailer. Is that in Las Vegas? Yes, it is in the Las Vegas. The Last Vegas. The the home of popular um singer Elton John, who does and then uh, the Osmonds, of course. This is all news to me. Oh yeah, like uh, the Osmonds regularly do shows in Las Vegas. The only reason I'm, I know this is because one of the older women in work constantly goes on about how much she loves Donny Osmond. What a fantastic, <laughs> incredible place! <laughs> you can go to. You can go and have a great time with your free company in Final Fantasy fourteen fan fest, and then you can go and see an Adoring Husband show. What where could you possibly ask for? Wow, it's this is the future. It is, and then you could imagine watching a Donny Osmond console in VR from the comfort of your own home. Oh, I'd really, I don't want to imagine that. Oh, that's that's no. not what VR was invented for. No, it was invented for porn. <laughs> well, uh, with that note. Um, speaking of speaking of hardware, oh uh, the, the uh, and getting back on to the topic of Final Fantasy, yes, they're no longer going to be supporting updates on the PlayStation Three. That's right, which is uh, a good thing. Um, finally, the the era of cross gen games is coming to an end with Destiny and Final Fantasy fourteen being the two bigger games that supported it. Sorry, but folks, you're gonna have to uh, get with the times. Buy a goddamn new console. Um, I mean the PS3 is cheap anyway these days um, PS4 PS4 yeah sorry um, or you could just get you could get a Pro but like I'm not sure if for, I don't think they've said anything about 14 having Pro support probably won't because it's multiplayer um, they can't compromise frame rate or anything like that which fair enough um, but yeah so um, it's it's a good thing because I mean as far as I'm concerned like cross-gen games are a good are always a good idea at the time because like Especially with games like GTA Five and all that kind of thing, um, it gives you uh, like a ideas like, look, this like we tried, like we were pushing the boundaries with the PS3, but look how easy it is for us to to achieve better on the PS4. Sure. Um, but with games that have multiplayer support, 
it just feels like the game's always been held back by the older consoles. Yeah. And Destiny was like a really bad one of that. Um, I think Liam may have explained this in the last podcast. Um, but the, the inventory system and how much space you had in your inventory was entirely held back by the old consoles. Had nothing to do with anything else. It was always the old consoles that held it back. I see. So the fact that they're now finally dropping support for the 360 and the PS3 is a godsend because they don't have to take that into account anymore presumably well that's something to look forward to and it must make it so much easier for the devs if they're not having to test on that entire console absolutely yeah um because i mean one one little issue uh could you know ruin a, an update for yeah. for everyone so sorry ps3 owners but give it the times bro give the times and if you're playing final fantasy or uh, 14 on a ps3 you're probably not getting the most out of it anyway get a job you loser <laughs> No, that's not fair. A, a new job class. Yeah. Become a bard and busk. I wonder how many people on like play on PS3s on for Final Fantasy fourteen. It can't be that many. Right. It really can't be. It, it must be quite a low percentage, I'd imagine. Yeah. But uh, I mean, a, a low percentage of what is it? Twenty million concurrent players. Is it that many? I don't know. I, I, just, I pulled that number out of my bum. I'm pretty sure that, like... Um, it's not going to be that many, because why was only 12, 12 million? Yeah, um, it's... I think the last active player count... And I, I know these things are never accurate. I think the last active player account I read was, like, uh, half a million. But active players. Like, people that log on constantly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's fine. That, that seems so, much more recent. Yeah. Um, like, subs is probably a couple million. Um, but active players... I'd say less than a million seems realistic. So, yeah, that's good. I keep server costs down as well. I guess. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so I think uh, that's probably us for for this week. Yeah, there's little else to talk about, and um, we've gone through pretty much everything. Um, we should probably talk about the um, the thing we talked about with the Steam sale. Um, sure. Thing we discussed last podcast, not 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 last week because it wasn't last week. Um, we have made an executive decision um, in the last like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're gonna we're not gonna be restricted to Steam anymore. We're gonna expand our boundaries and we're gonna increase the cost of it. Okay. Of what we're gonna. So it's worth mentioning for people that don't know what we're talking about as well. We're gonna set ourselves a challenge each month. That's for, right. Uh, each each uh four weeks to uh to pick up a a game for less than ten bucks mm-hmm. uh in on Steam. Mm-hmm. Or on PlayStation Network, mm-hmm. Nintendo Store, mm-hmm. just any any kind of uh, digital download. We'll we'll set a theme or some kind of target. It's like it needs to be, uh, like we'll start with stuff easy stuff. Like it needs to be a platformer, or it needs to be a Japanese title, or it needs to be um, it needs to have, I don't know, like a specific, like aesthetic to some yeah. of that, like some like. We'll we'll set we'll decide on the fly obviously per month. So I think like uh, let's just do it now. Uh, we can, we're for the first one we'll do platformer. Yeah, that's an easy one. And so. we'll let the let the audience decide our next theme. Yeah, that seems that seems fair. That, that seems, seems cool. Yeah, because then we're just going to end up trying to like outdo each other with like weird, complicated stuff, and audience always throws in a wild card, so that'll be more interesting. That's very true. Um. So yeah, please uh keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, and we will keep you updated with our uh, our purchases on the Twitter machine. The Twitter machine. Right, so once again, thanks for for tuning in. I've been Brian. I've been Dave. Don't do drugs and watch Hulk Hogan matches. Don't do that. But drink your milk and eat your vitamins, brother, and say your prayers. Bye. <laughs> Bye.